three, two, one. It seems today that all you see is Sardonicus. That's all I was gonna do. <laughs> all right, we I was loving that as well. Yeah. yeah, well, I love Seth MacFarlane. He's so funny. Yeah, I did. Which I know. Huge so fans. funny. I was kind of yeah, I was kind of cringing while I was doing it. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't like the show. It got bad really quickly. I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. I'm Ralph from YouTube.com slash Ralph the Movie Maker. And I'm Alex from IG. And I, I got to ask you guys a, a quick favor, if I might. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, you've already betrayed me a little bit, Adam, by uh, by uh, making me laugh because I still got a cold. So yeah, you guys have to. I can tell. As soon as I laugh, that's when the coughing begins. Oh so, no. Yeah. Apologies for anyone listening. Right. Yeah. Cold time. So the favor is to not make you laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just straight don't be face, don't be funny, don't yeah. say oh, anything God, funny. You can't say right. that, though. No, you can't, you can't easy, say it right? that way. Just don't, don't be humorous, all right? Just oh, fuck. Play it straight. Why would you? I think that makes that? it easier to make you laugh if you're thinking that way. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Just be quiet oh, and move on. Now I feel bad. <laughs> this is torture. Well, <laughs> I could just make fart noises that would, it would make you laugh. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck. No, I'm not, I don't know Seth MacFarlane. I'm not that low brow. Was that someone's some phone, by the way? Yeah, I yeah. Heard somebody yeah, that was my phone. Me. Yeah, it was my phone. Okay. All right. It's it's off the table. So we watched... Uh, there's a few movies we watched that we wanted to get to. I'm sure next episode will be pretty packed with uh, Star Wars and Cats. I don't know if you guys will be <laughs> seeing those. Yes. I don't want to see one. Cats. Yeah, I don't Fuck. want to pay money to see it. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> Scott's dragging me to see it, so... Anyway, we're recording this episode oh, a bit okay. early, so sorry if you want to hear about those things right now, but we haven't seen them yet, because it is currently December 16th, so. Anyway, uh, Marriage Story, I thought was one of the best movies of the year, for sure, in my top three. Uh, Alex and I have seen really? it. Really? Wow. Uh, I thought Ralph would have seen it. I guess I guess we didn't uh, I've yet really to commit it. to doing <laughs> that for this episode, but uh, what, what have you been busy doing? Seeing other movies, so I saw Waves. I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I saw The Witcher, like that show that's coming to Netflix. Oh, I really? Saw the like premiere a preview screener. Yeah, like there was it was the premiere. What? And like I oh, met. Right. Yeah, so I went there, and then they were like, "Oh, you guys are gonna get to meet Henry Cavill." I'm like, "What?" Okay, <laughs> I guess I can't turn that down. I really tried to turn it down, but they were like, "No, no, no, we'll get you a ticket, and everything," <laughs> and it was like a private booth. And I was like shaking hands with Henry Cavill. Oh, that's cool. I was like, oh my god. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, it was weird because, you know, I, I've made fun of him for being so <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I asked him about the Snyder Cut. I was kind of making fun of him, honestly. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> I would I would have, like, brought a mustache for him to sign. <laughs> I didn't know uh, he was... Uh, yeah, I didn't know I was going to meet him. But That's crazy. Yeah. And the show was... I mean, I'll say this about the show. He was good in it. He's good okay, as... Good. Uh, what's his name? Geralt? Geralt of he like gets the voice it? down yeah mm -hmm. oh really nice i nice. haven't played through the games yet yeah. yeah i know nothing about it really so. i i played some of them it's a, it's interesting mm -hmm. but yeah. have you like apparently yeah. the third one's really great so i don't know if you yeah played that one. i started the third one okay okay it's just it's just a lot yeah it is a lot you said you were also watching Disney Plus before we started the conversation. Oh, yeah. I was kind of, kind of trying lots to lots of Disney Plus nudge you but into like, that shit. direction. Like the Lizzie McGuire movie, and like there's this movie on there, Cheetah from like the 80s or the 90s. Oh, it's like garbage. But so you're just watching like, they a bunch put of trash, a lot of trash on there, giving Disney money for it. Yeah, 
Yeah, but they okay. have some good stuff on there. There's like they have all of the Spider-Man shows, all of them, like the animated ones. Like the 60s. So I binge through those. Oh, like the 60s, the 90s. The 90s nice. Like yeah, unlimited Spider-Man. So you can watch all those. Yeah. So I I do get why they made the service because there's tons of stuff that they own that they they just dump on there. Is it all forced cropped widescreen or what? I don't know. I don't think so. Because that was the like the Spider-Man cartoons the weren't. I think some of them were though. Yeah, like the Simpsons was. And you miss out on weird, like actual but... visual gags that <laughs> were intended in yeah, the original so show. Yeah, but it's common. Like um, when they made the wire HD, they got rid of the cropping because it used to be cropped four by three, like a TV. Mm-hmm. Because it's an old show. Yeah. And they got rid of that, but it completely fucked up the framing of everything. Yeah, exactly. Because they framed it to be like four by three. Um, But it was just, you know, that's what they did. You can't mess with the intent of the directors. Mm -hmm. But even that's better (laughs) because you just take off the mat. Like you take off the cropping. They're literally like zooming in, like getting rid of part of the frame. Yeah, exactly. On The Simpsons. It's terrible. It's, It's bizarre that they would do that. Yeah. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't look modern enough. People aren't going to like it. Everybody's going to unsubscribe from Disney Plus as soon as they see 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Like, who the fuck thinks that? That was a conscious decision. (laughs) They changed it. They spent money on that to make it worse. And you don't have, like, a choice on the app or anything. You can't choose. Uh, No, Mm -hmm. but there was enough controversy about it on Twitter that apparently they'll be changing it at some point, is what my understanding is. The Spider-Man show wasn't like that. It was the original. Mm Mm-hmm aspect ratio so yeah weird i don't know so yeah basically what you're saying is that disney plus is a a great service that everybody should get or what because i'm not getting it <laughs> you really sold me on it i mean i got it for free oh good like oh yeah i forgot about that for a year oh uh, yeah i forgot yeah, you got yeah. it with your tv so, thing that's why you got to keep yeah. reminding us so we can <laughs> you, you can retain our respect yeah <laughs> I know a lot of people are just keeping it for the Mandalorian, and then they're going to cancel. Uh. <laughs> but I haven't even started. I started like I watched one episode of it, but it's going to be a season cared. two, isn't there? Of course, because yeah, so like, it's how... doing well. All right. People got it just for the Mandalorian. That's oh, yeah. um, ridiculous. That lady in the Tramp movie looks bad. And uh, what's that other one? Noel with Anna Kendrick. Yeah, that lady in the Tramp movie that was came out last crap. month, and I didn't even realize. It's like yeah. nobody talked about it. They kind of buried that one. Yeah. It looks like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage Story. They didn't even want to release that one in theaters. Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's talk about a good movie. Yeah, Marriage Story. I don't know what you think of it, Alex. I'm assuming you you liked it since it's the same oh, yeah. writer yeah, as yeah, Madagascar yeah, 3, right? I don't know if it's quite on the same level, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, it was excellent. <laughs> All the same. Mm-hmm. So you, you you put it that high in your in your ranking? Yeah, my so my year, top three, three is Lighthouse, Parasite, Marriage Story in that order for 2019. Okay, and now right. I've seen Marriage Story right. twice, and it's it's amazing. I love it. Uh, very very well written. I hope it gets screenplay for the Oscars or whatever. Even though the Oscars don't matter, obviously, but uh, it does matter <laughs> in terms of like a film's promotion and financial success. Yeah, for marketing. Sure. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. and it matters for the people that win awards. It helps them in the industry. It helps them to get projects funded. Yeah. So I do hope that it wins screenplay because I think it's one of the best screenplays of the year, if not the best, for sure. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson both do amazing jobs, I think. But what really pisses me off, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, and this is something that I really wanted to touch on. Somebody took 
basically one of the most high energy scenes of the movie where they're both like yelling at each other and this is not really a spoiler. Uh, right, the meme. Yeah, and they, they put that on Twitter and I don't even think the original post was trying to be critical, um, but basically they just took took this clip, posted the two-minute video on Twitter. It's saying it's been nominated. They've both been nominated for actor categories at the Golden Globes or something. And then all of a sudden, like, it gets retweeted like 6,000 times, and everybody on Twitter who hasn't seen the movie is like, Wow, what kind of mm -hmm. bullshit writing is this? What kind of acting is this? It's like you don't even understand it in the context of the film, and it's kind it's of like upsetting. The emotional climax, in a way. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't understand the buildup. You don't understand what these characters are going through and how they feel as though they're justified. You don't understand the nuance between everything that's happening in this scene in the whole movie, and it's like. You're just judging it by some tiny clip taken out of context. Like, there's so many things you could take out of context in other movies that would seem goofy if you haven't seen it. And it's just, it's mm -hmm. so upsetting because, like, there's apparently a lot of people that have just made up their minds about this movie without having seen it. Because of a meme. It's happening more and more. Like, I mentioned it when we talked about Joker. Like, mm. that movie was getting meme before it came out and it affected perception. It's, it's just like a reality of what's happening now. You just have to be yeah. more switched on, I think. Yeah. Society. You can't say society anymore without like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and getting memed. Yeah. It was in Mr. Robot last night too. One of the lines is like, We're in a society. Oh yeah. It's that like, shit has uh, always done that though, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It but it just ruins entertainment. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. In a weird way. Yeah. I don't know. It's like it, it it's it's so bizarre. Cause I'm I'm struggling mm -hmm. to it, it's one of those things where the responses are just like vague enough. Like, like they assume everybody's on board sort of thing without actually having to defend their positions. So when they say something like, this acting's bad, I'm like, I want to know how it's bad. They say it's like too theatrical or something. They're like, this mm -hmm. is terrible writing, but it's like, how is it terrible writing, you know? I think it's a bit different to judge a clip of a movie that's two minutes long completely out of context like that than to judge like a trailer or promotional material. Because if a film's being marketed, I, I, I still feel justified in being like, okay, I'm not interested in seeing that movie. And perhaps there are people in this gigantic Twitter, Twitter sphere that are also justified in not wanting to see it because it's not the type of movie they would want to see or something. But it is just so bizarre. Because, like, I, I don't know. Out of everybody that I can think of that has actually seen the movie from start to finish, I don't know a single person that didn't love it. Except maybe Armand White, yeah, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I can't really think of many flaws with the movie, honestly. It's one of those movies where you just sit there, you enjoy the whole thing. And I guess the only thing I would say is that I think it's a film that will get better to me as I get older and, and experience more. Because, um, mm. well, it's in the name, Marriage Story. I'm obviously not married. I haven't, yeah. my, my parents are still married. I haven't experienced what it, what it, what it sort of means to go through a divorce. I've been around people. Yeah, hopefully it, you don't experience I feel that like, part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it doesn't exactly really convince you um, that getting married is always the best idea either because mm -hmm. a, a big aspect of the movie is sort of showing off the... Uh, just toxic system you have to work through oh, yeah. to, to go through a divorce and how it just tears people apart and it ruins families even if they, the, the people involved in the marriage don't hate each other they, they still, there yeah. is some love there but they've just grown apart or, or, you know, just simply, just simple human things and just how that system 
can just grind you down and just turn you into something that you're really not inherently yeah which is like really interesting and the objective slant that the the movie takes i thought was really interesting like every time they they tried to make a a like a case with the lawyers they made it a really balanced view as to like why certain rules with like divorce are in in place and whatnot so you really understood like well yeah i guess it sort of has to be that way in a way i can't think of any other better solution and the movie's kind of telling me right now that there really isn't a better solution that any of us can think of so it's just like the reality of it all and the the sadness of that yeah yeah it's really interesting that's one of my favorite aspects for sure and obviously we're keeping this spoiler free just because ralph hasn't seen it but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i just didn't mention that before uh, to the audience but yeah one of the my absolute favorite aspects about the movie is just how nuanced it is it doesn't really Mm. pick a side like sure you're left to interpret exactly which side you would be on if you wanted to but the characters in this film are all completely justified It, it doesn't treat things in a black and white way it's very very real and it's not manipulative in that sense it's uh a very 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 honest situation and that's what i love about it so much it was really elegant in that way yeah this sounds great (laughs) it is very complex and part of the reason why i think it's an amazing screenplay is because like it takes every element that should be in the movie and it's in there it's not it's not like a surface level exploration of what this would be it's like everything that you didn't think about every angle (laughs) that you didn't Mm -hmm. consider is in there and it makes sense and it's necessary and it doesn't feel superfluous it doesn't feel unnecessary at all very very thorough and well thought out movie i think it's his best honestly noah bombeck i think you're probably Mm -hmm. with madagascar 3 but (laughs) yeah i didn't want to have to say it but (laughs) is it funny because his last film was funny is it is it somewhat of a comedy okay yeah, I'd it say it's pretty, definitely more sad. Sounds pretty serious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it has its moments. Yeah, it it does have it. It's got plenty of humor. I think you'll definitely laugh at parts. Good. Like there's really funny moments within it, intentionally and mm. or otherwise. But some out of like being awkward, some out of like clearly trying to be a a joke. But it's really successful in that sense. But yeah, the main the main draw of the movie, the main hook for me is like just <laughs> kind of how depressing it is in ways. Yeah, I didn't find it too like too heavy. I thought I thought yeah. it was more sort of bittersweet by the end. There are certainly um, points in the film where it is like a real low for some of the characters, and it is really sad and really affected because of that. But yeah, I'm with you with how serious it is. It it doesn't get like silly ever. It, it just yeah. does stay very human, very realistic. Everyone can relate to these kind of situations, this kind of banter. Exactly, so. exactly. It's yeah. all relatable. It's not like so outside of an average person's experience where it's like some crazy tragedy that no one will ever experience sort of thing it's all it's all just like i don't know how you couldn't relate in some way this is sad but it's something that like anybody can relate to even if i you know obviously i've never been married or divorced but like i could relate to so many things happening in that movie just because like i've had so many like betrayals and broken friendships and mm-hmm. shit like that of just like awful yeah. situations where you know you still care about the person and but shit just falls apart sort of thing you know like it's mm-hmm. i feel like it handles all of that really really well yeah uh, the more we're talking about it the more um i'm actually like remembering how much i, I liked it oh honest. yeah it's uh i don't yeah. i don't think there's 
much at all that I dislike about the movie. The only like real criticisms I have are like super nitpicky, just like you mm-hmm. know the way that some of the audio was recorded in some of the scenes, blah blah blah. Like nothing really important. So, who do you think was the standout actor or character in the film to you? I like both of them. Uh, I think that I was more impressed by Scarjo, particularly right. in the scene where she's talking with her new lawyer, Laura Dern, by the way, Ralph, which should ah. entice you yeah, to she was, it. she was my favorite. Is David Lynch in the film? <laughs> <laughs> Get real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are going to watch this movie watch it on, on your phone. Exactly. So, yeah, 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 definitely. It's streamable. You can watch a movie on your fucking phone. Yeah. <laughs> fucking telephone. No, yeah, Scar- Scar- jo- Scar- Scarlett Johansson was really great. And I don't think she's ever gotten an Oscar nom, and this might be the year, which is weird. Because we'll she's like a it's Netflix. very high-profile actor. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Netflix, but Roma yeah. got nominated for Probably a shit ton of the last best year, films so. of the year in Netflix films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I would say Irishman. Yeah. They're really trying to legitimize their platform by doing these types of movies. Like They're, they're all about like getting Oscar movies now, basically. Yeah, yeah, they just do all kinds of movies. Like They just made that Michael Bay movie, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did yeah. you see that it was yeah it was so stupid oh you saw that but not I marriage about story. two minutes of it <laughs> no no exactly <laughs> i didn't watch marriage story i watched six underground it was a piece of crap oh no i watched it too it was so bad oh six underground yeah yeah do you want to talk about that for a bit i'm pretty much done about marriage story i would give uh, it a nine sure. out of ten what, what would you guys give it's it i would give it a ten. four out of five. Oh, yeah, six underground <laughs> <laughs> you, you're with me, Alex. Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that one. Um, I'd, 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 I might give it higher. Actually, I might give it four and a half stars if I, if I had to really sit down and think about it. Are you okay. talking about Marriage Story still? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Not I'm not talking about this Michael Bay bullshit. I watched okay. the trailer and was like, "Fuck that." <laughs> yeah, the trailer is more comprehensible than the movie. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on for most of it. The first like 20 minutes is just like a bunch of shooting and flashing, yeah, like lights. In the- they run over like tons of innocent people. It's fucking hilarious. What's the, what's the basic premise? Because in the trailer, oh, Ryan God. Reynolds is like, "The good thing about being dead <laughs> is that like we're alive." So like, he, it's a really oh my God! Every five death. minutes, Ryan. Ryan, He's a yeah, billionaire Ryan Reynolds kept having death. monologues about how he was a ghost. He's like, we're ghosts. Oh, we can't be seen or found by anybody. <laughs> we're the ghosts. It's like every five minutes with that bullshit. But yeah, he gets, he fakes his death, but he's like a billionaire kind of. He invented neo He's like an Iron Man type. Like a magnet. Yeah. And so he puts together this elite team. And they just go around and just fucking shooting everything. I don't know what they do. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. That's pretty much it. They just go around shooting everything. <laughs> they literally just go around fucking shooting and, and like running their car and everything. Yeah. That, it's that crazy. Whole, that whole opening action scene that's like half an hour long or some shit. And it's like the most yeah. ADHD editing of all time. There's like seven different shitty song choice changes and they're all so uh-huh. they're all trying so hard to be cool but there's no establishing what's going on in that scene it was so bad it, it was so weird a bunch of shitty slow-mo and there's like dave franco and like oh my <laughs> dave god dave franco's in the movie for like 10 minutes yeah. ryan reynolds right. had like a girlfriend character who showed up for one scene and then she never shows up again till the very end of the movie oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like like the whole movie is full of gratuitous michael bay uh hot women and blood access, and like yeah. cool cars and yeah and it's just that there's like no substance to the movie at all 
Like, there's no story to latch on to. Yeah. Such as all of his movies, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, no relatable characters or anything. For sure. No, all the characters are fucking assholes. They're, they're like murdering innocent people. <laughs> like, you're just describing it's crazy. Like every Michael Bay movie. <laughs> it was definitely. I mean, I guess Michael that's Bay. the point. It's like cartoonish. You're not yeah. supposed to take it seriously. It was. It was borderline parody. Right. It's just boring now. It's so like played out. Yeah. How many times have we seen the same thing? Yeah. It's not cool. I don't know. It. I. I felt like. Yeah. In the second half of the film, the action scenes got a bit more like creative and fun but in the first half it was really like okay there's there's shitty story shitty characters shitty everything and like i can't even get a good action scene like this action scene is really lame the car chase scene was really lame <laughs> right the first half of the movie was just like it couldn't even yeah oh remember there's this whole framing device where it's the past and then it's the present but then oh, they yeah. would flash back to four years before, and then it was like 14 months earlier for a little <laughs> gag. Oh, yeah. Like, the time frame of the movie makes no sense. If I could ma make a recommendation to people, don't give your full attention to the movie. Just put it on in the background. <laughs> put it on while you're doing something yeah. else. It's, it's, it's a movie for that. That is the ideal watching experience for Six Underground. On your phone, yeah. In yeah. The background. <laughs> exactly. Do not give your full attention like to this film. It does really not deserve really flashing lights. Yeah. Yeah, the editing was the worst thing. It's terrible. <laughs> Alex, watch like five minutes of it. The, from the get-go, you'll be like, am I on crack? Like, <laughs> yeah. The movie opens up. It's just like, what, the, what has happened to Michael Bay? The movie is Michael Bay is problem? on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cocaine. Just tons of cocaine. And then he makes movies. <laughs> the editor couldn't keep up with him. <laughs> it needs to be faster. <laughs> he edits it himself. Oh, did he? That'd be funny. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. He probably has an editing bay of like 25 editors. Editing bay? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and editing Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Michael B-A-E. All right. <laughs> I guess we don't need to talk much about that movie. We yeah. got a couple other things we could talk about. Uh, I give this one a... Two out of ten, six underground. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, like same thing. One out of five. Yeah, I think it's fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, which one do you want to talk about first, Irishman or Knives Out? We got room for both, probably. We've all well, seen I those. I haven't right? seen Knives Out. I think I'm seeing oh, it today. Shit. Okay. So, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> let's, let's do Irishman then. Yeah, so I guess we haven't. All right, let's just do Irishman then. Yeah, it's just stick with Netflix movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Is there anything else on Netflix? It's award season right now. And, you mm -hmm. know, Six Underground. Smart way to do it. <laughs> Looking pretty promising. Yeah, Six Underground's really good. Best uh, best acting from Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. He was really bad in the movie, too. He was playing, like, the Nick Fury character, but he didn't fit that. Oh, yeah. I'm just so sick of Ryan Reynolds. Thank you. Yeah. There's very I'm few people soon. that will say that. Is that po yeah? I'm I'm over it now. I can't. This hide movie, it any I got longer. sick of it. Yeah, he's doing the same. It's like the Deadpool gag again. Yeah, yeah, but he's been doing, he's doing that gag shit. for like a decade before that. Even <laughs> he's just the same guy in everything. Yeah, so that, but there's yeah. that poster just for that movie like coming him a lot. out where he's playing an NPC or whatever. Oh god, that so, poster looks so bad. Come on, it's the most Reddit like movie you can ever yeah. imagine. Ryan Reynolds playing an NPC in a video. Ugh. You you say it's the most Reddit movie you could ever imagine. I'm pretty sure it got. I'm pretty sure somebody said this would be a great idea for a movie on Reddit, and then it just got turned into a movie. <laughs> like I swear to God, I've seen that on Reddit of like. 
like, wouldn't it be uh, cool if there was like an NPC character that like, <laughs> I don't remember, but like so it was definitely it big news reason. on Reddit from like the concept <laughs> until like obviously the actual trailer. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. If it was the wow. same trailer with not Ryan Reynolds, I don't think people would be buying it. It looks like shit. Oh yeah, I'm with you. I'll die on this hill with you. Everybody loves him. I don't hate the guy. He's probably yeah. very nice. But like, yeah, of course. It's just, it's just he's in bad films. What are you gonna do? I mean, his range as an actor, like he's doing the same shit he always does. Yeah, he's he's playing Ryan. I remember Reynolds. Him being right and buried. Do you see that when he was buried underground? Oh, <laughs> yeah, he was pretty good in that. Uh, <laughs> the whole movie was. That's the coffin. one. That's the one thing. Yeah. <laughs> whenever you say that, whenever anybody says the title of that movie, all I'm thinking is Snake in the Pants. Because that was the funniest fucking thing in the world, and I almost burst out laughing in the theater. He was he was underground for like, I don't know, like half an hour into the movie, when all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, there's a snake in my pants that was there the whole time." Like, Fuck. Oh, does that happen? I don't yeah. even remember that. Oh that's yeah, hilarious. that does. It's like yeah, half an hour into the movie, and that's like the new conflict. Like, oh, oh there's a snake in my pants. I just didn't notice oh, before. No. <laughs> uh, that was funny. Okay. I mean, yeah, he was all right in that movie, I guess, but. <laughs> yeah, we have to reach. So yeah, the Irishman. Stop bullying Ryan Reynolds and go back to the Irishman. Yeah, yeah, Irishman. Uh, a story about Ralph and his life. <laughs> it's about my about ancestors. Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're they're Irish. Silly. <laughs> Joe Pesci actually is he? No, I think Joe Pesci is Italian. Yeah. <laughs> It's just mob shit. I don't know. In the movie. Yeah, it's just mob shit. It's I, I was gonna love this movie before I saw it. Yeah. Because it's a what if it what it's about. And who's in it. Mm -hmm. Who made it. But I thought it was great. I've seen it twice because I loved it, mm -hmm. it was that much. Yeah. Was, I knew you I absolutely that. loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved it. Yeah. It's so good. Like for three and a half hours, it is not dull at all. Yeah, can like we talk for about no, running for one time? second? Because that's like the main talking point it seems to be about the media. Yeah, because like a lot of people, it about. turns people off, I think. No, it, do, it definitely does, because I was yeah. recommending it to people, and I mentioned the runtime, and then they just didn't bother. Because <laughs> it's just like, so what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but it's a great example of a film that's like really long, but it, it, it does earn every scene. And I I, I, I saw it at, in a in a theater, actually. Um, I, mm -hmm. I managed to catch a screening of it, so I was sort of trapped there, which was a good way to like be forced to not, you know, pause it and look at my phone or whatever. And that was a great way of seeing it, but it it never dragged for me. I I thought that it was appropriate, and it really added to the the gut punch of the movie at the end. I thought the the length actually really mm -hmm. uh, added for the emotional impact to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. it it wrapped up in the perfect way, I think, without spoiling it. I don't think it needs to be a spoiler discussion, really. Um, no, no, no. I think the last half hour of the movie is like fantastic and really ties the whole thing together and puts it into context. Yeah. Really happy with how it ends and it makes the whole experience that much better. In terms of the length, I, um, I, I've noticed some people like ha have made some like guides on how to watch it as a miniseries. If it's like, okay, pause at this moment mm. and then, <laughs> you know, pick up from this moment. Uh, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not totally opposed to that if it means that that's the only way that someone would watch it. If they're, like, super uncomfortable with, you know, if they got, a, like, a busy schedule and they're always working and they only got time for, like, an hour here and there and they want to watch the movie, then sure, why not? I don't really... I'm not, like, too offended by it. No. But at the same it, time... That's just something we have to accept now. That's the way people consume movies. Yeah. It's like, 
when when you put it on Netflix in that way, people are going to consume it in chunks. I think Scorsese knew that going in. Yeah, like, this is a movie like that'll have that kind of longevity. I am more about uh, giving people freedoms for how they should watch things. So I'm like the the anti David Lynch in that sense. I think it's fine <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> to watch. But there's also a way for it. It's intended to be seen in a certain way too. By like oh, certain yeah. filmmakers, like Lynch, he intends for you to see his films in that way, and he thinks it's like yeah. it does a film a disservice if you don't watch no, it that way. I, I understand his perspective. Yeah, but like yeah, I, I know you. Yeah, it, it it you know you you have to accept. I just that, don't want like, I love my boy David Lynch. There's some people <laughs> the that point. will never watch things in the ideal way anyway. So yeah, you, you could argue that they're not going to get the same experience, and that's true, but. I mean, you know, you should still be able, you should still have the choice to, if you wanted to. They can always watch it again later, correctly. They can grow appreciation for it and then want to watch it <laughs> that way. Yeah. Like, I watched 2001 A Space Odyssey on my laptop the first time, like, when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it in 70 <laughs> yeah. millimeter fucking, what, eight years later or whatever. Like, yeah. that's just what happens. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. I, I have a pretty good home theater setup, as I've mentioned before. Uh, I didn't yeah. really notice the uh, digital effects for aging. Apparently, it, it it stuck out to other people a bit more. Um, I knew that it was something that was in the film, obviously, because, you know, those actors are older than they appear in many scenes. So there had to have... I, I, I was aware that there was some digital work done. It wasn't really distracting to me. I didn't, I didn't really feel... Yeah. Uh, it was it was pretty good for the most part, but the only thing in on that kind of note that did stand out to me was just a couple of um, blood splatter effects. I thought looked pretty weak. Um, they were just yeah. like CG blood splatters. Which yeah, was like, oh, whatever. If if I have to nitpick anything, that's like my one thing. Yeah, there's some weird editing choices in the movie, like uh, like when Joe Pesci comes in, like after he, I guess he beats somebody up. Like <laughs> he walks into his house and his wife comes downstairs. The editing of that was like really bad. It cut to like a wide shot of him, and it was like the same angle, and mm-hmm. it was like a close up. Yeah, it's I'd terrible. Have to see it again. I'm not. Um, I'm yeah, sure. it just wasn't. It wasn't like the quality I was expecting from like like this kind of caliber of movie. Mm-hmm. But like nothing mm-hmm. that would take away points or anything. Mm-hmm. There was like little moments like that. The de aging was like noticeable sometimes watching it in a theater, but it wasn't distracting to like the story or anything. Mm-hmm. It didn't like, hurt. Everything had either. momentum. No, it it didn't hurt anything. Yeah, along with uh, the de-aging digital effects, there was a lot of really, really good practical makeup effects for, you know, g- going opposite, going yeah. further, aging them, I guess. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, that along with the performances really was really, really effective when they start getting older and they're like shaking and like it really yeah, when they're eating it, it the same means bread. a lot for yeah. the actor like to bring later. that into the performance. Like... I've seen so many movies where an actor will get put into old person makeup, but they won't act like it, and they're just walking around like they yeah. are the same age. Like even professional <laughs> a- actors, like I think it was Julianne Moore in The Hours that was one that I noticed, and like Jared Leto in uh, whatever that movie was, uh, Mister Nobody. He like didn't really sell oh, okay. me as like being an old old person. It was like the makeup that did the whole thing. But when the actor and the makeup, they're both doing the job, it's its really, really convincing. Yeah. When they were playing younger people, 
with like De Niro playing his younger self, it wasn't as convincing. They mm-hmm. kind of moved like older no, people. Yeah. Like there's a scene he beats up a guy on the street. Oh yeah. And like the kicking didn't look convincing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't take me out of it, but still. Mm-hmm. There's not that many movies that have this runtime that are this entertaining. No. Yeah, because we we talk about we've talked about it since I think the first episode about these like movies that mm-hmm. can go upwards of like five hours, sometimes four hours, and how it it really is important to make your runtime feel earned. Yeah, I think the historical context of all this makes mm. it interesting too. Yeah, like the fact that you're actually learning about Jimmy Hoffa and the Teamsters Union and like how the mafia was involved. And there's yeah. like this whole all this stuff with like. Uh, Oh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. But there's, like, conspiracy theory stuff involving the mafia that's, like, famous. Mm-hmm. Famous conspiracy involved in the government. And, like, it's cool that they explored all that in a way that felt organic to the story. So, yeah, I think that added a lot. Yeah, I'm not familiar at all with, like, the real-life events associated with it. So that wasn't even anything that yeah, was on my radar, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of it was, <laughs> you know, conspiracy or interpreted or, you know, uh, Yeah, accurate. a lot of it's, like, not true or uh, definitely Creative exaggerated. liberty. But it is, it is grounded in that true story of all those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that makes it interesting and, like, very believable. The film has a very clear message, though, by the end, mm-hmm. um, which, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but I found it, like, a really powerful um end note we already mentioned that last 30 minutes but it really stuck with me the way that this film made me feel because it's really sad it's really sad because it with that long that runtime you get to really know these characters to the point where you can predict how they're going to act based on just like the the things other characters are saying to them you know the characters so well you know exactly how they're going to act and it just feels that you're very familiar with everything and it's just you're very intimately like aware of how these characters are like their relationships and where it's going. And when the like penny does drop, like it, it really is a sad tale by the end. And it really, really Mm -hmm. stuck with me on that note. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Very purposeful and justified. Doesn't overstay its welcome somehow. (laughs) Yeah. That's like a huge commitment. Uh, Mm -hmm. And everything feels like it's, it's, progressing and building up on something else it doesn't feel like it's lingering which is a very big accomplishment for a movie with this runtime because you know any any other well not any other movie but a lot of other movies that would be like three and a half hours long it'd be like okay get on with it like you know working towards like a Mm -hmm. singular point where it's just like i just get there already but it never really felt that way which is pretty great an amazing cast too oh yeah classic oh, Every, yeah. it's like star-studded fucking like harvey keitel the shows up back. for like two minutes uh-huh jim norton is don rickles felt like a classic <laughs> scorsese movie yeah it did felt like it was plucked straight out of the 80s sort of thing stephen graham from uh this is england showed up oh. as a major character oh, i yeah. thought he was excellent yeah. a lot of people like, from board- yeah that guy he's also in boardwalk empire yeah uh, a lot of boardwalk empire people the woman who plays uh, Joe Pesci's wife in the movie is uh, the girl from Goodfellas, like mm. toward the end, who makes the sauce with Ray Liotta. Uh, oh, yeah. really? <laughs> it's almost like a family reunion type film. Like, yeah. When I was, d- the, the word to describe the film for me is just it, it's a treat. 
Like, 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 I can't believe it exists. It's Martin Scorsese coming together with De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and all these people mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 2019 and releasing a three and a half hour movie on Netflix. It's like, it's like a <laughs> film lover's dream, just like just yeah. being released. And it's great. And yeah, and it's great. Yeah. This is how nostalgia bait should work. Is a new property. Yeah. yeah. With a lot of the same feels and a lot of the same people involved as these old things you love, not just. Hey, I'm gonna remake Goodfellas <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> or like, hey, I'm oh, gonna God, remake yeah. Casino. <laughs> you know, it's a new property and it's like the same passion and energy is there. And what's crazy about it is a lot of these actors, like, we haven't seen them really do this good of a job or I guess care this much in a long time. Or do anything. Joe Pesci hasn't done anything in like ten years oh, yeah. or something. Well, well, what about I don't like, know, like some of the things he's done. Pacino and De Niro, years. like those <laughs> yeah, are the big like, ones. And it's grandpa. like, okay, you've been in a lot of bullshit, and you've clearly not cared about <laughs> anything for a while. And now that you're back with with like Scorsese, it's just like, oh yeah, the director does make a big yeah. difference, and obviously the caliber of the project. Yeah. You know, they all clearly believe. De Niro's in it. been in good stuff every once in a while. Yeah, like he was in Silver Lining Playbook. He was good. Oh, okay. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> yeah. But it's like supporting roles like that. Mm-hmm. He has to carry this fucking movie, and he's going from like when he's 40 to when he's 80 years old, and he's <laughs> yeah. good. He's so good. Mm-hmm. And his, his stutter is like really convincing, and in one scene, it's really sad that he can't get anything out mm-hmm. um, when he's on the phone with this, this oh, I can't, again, spoilers just come <laughs> yeah, out of yeah, me like yeah. fucking nothing. <laughs> I just love the movie. I think it's so great. Yeah, great no, soundtrack, wouldn't. really high energy, mm-hmm. fits the tone really yeah. well. Not too much to complain about in this movie at all. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Yeah, everybody go see it if you haven't. Yeah, I guess go yeah, see it in theaters. Whip, whip your phone out right now, start watching. <laughs> yeah, just shut off this podcast and watch that. <laughs> yeah, it's longer than this podcast. It's twice yeah. as long, probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. What would yeah. you guys? Well, I give it give it uh, like a three. Out of five, <laughs> yeah, it's a five out of five. Yeah, I'm giving it an eight. It could go up, but that's my initial view. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm right in between you guys. I'd say mm-hmm. four and a half stars. Okay. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Yeah, I acknowledge there's some like minor technical issues, but that's not enough to take me out of it. The overall piece is yeah, really powerful. Yeah. The overall thing is great. All right. Um, we could still, we could talk about Knives and Waves, <laughs> Knives Out and Waves next time, I guess. If neither of you are seeing Cats, and I'm the only one seeing Cats, then <laughs> I might we'll go see things. it, you go see it. Okay. Yeah, we, maybe we I'll might be able to it. have a little, I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about cats. I'm being dragged to the <laughs> theater so either bad. way. Even if I, <laughs> yeah. if I don't want to see it, it doesn't matter, because Scott's just like, he's been hyping this movie up, ironically, obviously, <laughs> but like, yeah. guys, it's Cats. Go to I just cats. don't even want to give them money, you know. Oh yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it's not that it matters, but yeah, whatever. It's probably gonna make, it's gonna make a cats. Bucks either way. Whatever. I'll be I'll be doing a a double feature, <laughs> seeing Star Wars and Cats in the same day. It's gonna be pretty good. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <Hype. laughs> uh, yeah. It's Are we excited awful. for the new Star Wars movie? No. It's coming out fucking this week. <laughs> I don't know if anyone is. Like no one. Really... <laughs> Everybody's just ready for it to be over. It's sort crazy. Of thing. Like it's an obligation to see the movie because yeah. it's like, well, I guess people it's part were of counting trilogy, down the so. moment Force Awakens came out. It's coming out in two and a half years. Yeah. 
Yeah, now no one gives a shit. Yeah. I feel like ev- everyone's we'll still going to go see it, though. It's going to be one of those. Yeah. Of course. Sure. Because you have to. I got to <laughs> see how it ends. You want to be a part of the conversation. But, like, the last I just hope it was worth way. it. Like, so like, no one gives shits something. about that one. Well, yeah, they're scaling back their Star Wars properties because of, uh, quote, lack of interest or declining interest yeah. is what they said, which is really Wait, funny. Did they to really me. say that? The yeah, toys Disney don't said sell that. that well. They're like the scaling back their Star Wars shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious. That's their takeaway. Well, because, I mean, like, <laughs> they, they thought they could do the Marvel approach. They thought that they could just treat Star Wars like Marvel and just. You know, but they didn't even do that because Marvel, like, they were meticulous with Marvel. They took years for like that to yeah. be built up and become anything. And they have way more material, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're starting like yeah. from scratch almost with Star Wars because they don't have like these comic books to go <laughs> off of, and they're just like inventing I mean, and forcing in all these new characters rather than like plucking them from the pre-existing. Well, IP. It feels stale. They actually, they actually already. did have a bunch of stuff to go off, but they threw it all to the wayside. Oh, okay. um, so they could make this stuff instead. Yeah. So that's another. Well, George thing Lucas wrote. Annoyed about. George Lucas wrote stuff for them, like he wrote three oh. movies for them, I think. And <laughs> it's like, okay, here, take this outline and and Oops. make the trilogy. And they just threw all that shit out, and they came up no. with nonsense. If they came up with something better, then maybe I would have been impressed. Why did he but they came it? up with Why? nothing. Um, two billion dollars. <laughs> I think I, was I the think reason. The I think Star Wars is worth way more than that. You should have sold it for more. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, not anymore. They've, they've when he had it, it was worth been. way more. I mean, the, the merchandising of Star is where Wars the real was money insane. Is, let's be honest. When he owned it, yeah, when he owned it, when he was in charge, like uh, I forgot what it was. The merchandising rights ran out around the time Phantom Menace came out mm. from like other companies because he sold the merchandising rights to other companies. Oh, right. So when he made Phantom Menace, he kind of had that in mind, I think. Okay. And he he merchandised the fuck out of those oh, movies. Obviously, right? I remember no. it. And it was really successful, whether you like the movies or not. I mean, um, we trashed it for but... an entire episode, the prequel trilogy. <laughs> yeah, because they're bad movies, but the there there's more to it than just that. He's thinking like the the franchise. He's thinking merchandising. And all that shit was very successful. Yeah, but you not because kids the, wanted that. The stuff. prequels are partially responsible for why he, he sold it. Do you think? I think he might be. He might have been so like disenfranchised with Star Wars, and yeah, been like, maybe. "Well, what do you want me to do then? Sell it?" And then he sold it, and then now he's probably really regretting it. You see all these pictures of him on set on these new movies, <laughs> and he's like so miserable, I, mortified. It's like, you can't. I just I don't feel that much sympathy for him because it's like, what's the no? Fuck? I don't. You, obviously, no. you're not going to have creative control it. once you sell it. That's the point. That's the whole point of mm-hmm. selling something is that you're giving up wonder. that creative control. How can you be like you don't act surprised? That Disney is doing something that's not your idea when you sell it to them. Maybe he it was a collaborative thing. Yeah, exactly. He could have done yeah. many other things if he wanted to retain creative control. Like I don't understand where, half of it where he's coming from when know. he's like acting like a victim here. Mr. Two billion dollars. How many or billions did he get for it? I think it was two billion. How many billions? Is from two billion dollars. I think worth, it was more. I is two billion dollars worth your ultimate creation? Like you're Two like the most important. But already, I mean, like he's already done. That's so my much point. With that's it, like, right? how like, do you rationalize that? How do you convince yourself that that's a good idea? You know, like that you you have created the biggest pop culture phenomenon, the most important IP of all time, and then you sell it. 
even though you're yeah. you're already you're, you're you've made six movies already you've got all this merchandise money you're so loaded you're so powerful why do you need it i mean <laughs> yeah it, it's and now he's getting it's, it. it's more uh, money, four billion i guess but four billion. Oh, four billion four billion yeah. holy shit four billion four point oh six thank you I, for I believe fact so. checking yeah. well yeah. that makes it all right then because I, I I figured it was more than there, two billion. I, I but I don't still, know. I think it's worth more than four who billion. Who the fuck I could be where the difference between one billion or four billion is even anything? I don't. I'm not gonna spend a That's billion I mean. dollars in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the difference between a billion and four billion, really? Like, who? who how is <laughs> no, that yeah. going to affect your life? If you're a billionaire, you're a billionaire. You're gonna live the same. Like. <laughs> What? It, it can't charity. be reversed now. He can't get it back. He can never get his child back. But it doesn't. <laughs> no. I, you know, I don't know because, like, at the same time, the They're new movies exist, and you can just not watch them. You know, it doesn't yeah, really yeah, ruin what already regard. exists. It just means that, I'm like, about whatever properties that he would want to create, he wouldn't be able to. Yeah, but I just think it's so sad just thinking about him, like him sat in his like ridiculous like house somewhere, just like what have <laughs> I done? This fucking mansion. What have I done? Crying with money yeah, that like his Darth Woody Vader chair. Yeah, yeah, just crying and mopping up his tears <laughs> with a hundred dollar bills. <laughs> I don't. I I don't know. It's fucking four he billion dollars. He's known as like this like real ahead of the curve sort of businessman, like the way he, he was in the early There's days. There's tons of things to respect about him for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. But it's just so uh, what a state of affairs. It's difficult for me to feel that sad about it though. <laughs> like I just think on a creative level there is something really sad about it. He made the decision. Like that was yeah. his choice. But like people make mistakes. <laughs> ah, a, a business deal that big you thought about it. Come on. That's that wasn't a whim. That wasn't like an impulse. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Right? I can't feel too sorry for him. I'm not, I'm not yeah, losing any like this, sleep over it. <laughs> this is what you decided to do. You decided it was worth four billion dollars to do this. Don't regret it after the fact. Oh, like, well, come on. At least lots of charities are getting money as a result of yeah. this one silver lining. Exactly. And we're getting great Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. Anybody yeah, can just, just not it. watch them too. Think if he just kept it and like just till he died. It would just never be Star Wars movies again, or yeah. <laughs> unless his kids took it or became that would maybe would before he uh, passed he away he would make a public domain, and then everyone can make Star Wars movies. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, that would actually be really cool because that that was what made Star Wars cool after after the prequels. The and fan st community and Star Wars just died. Yeah, and he, that was one thing that was very respectable about George Lucas was he he loved like all the fan stuff. He was like the biggest like proponent of those and like mm -hmm. not taking them down with copyright stuff yep. and like just letting anyone make whatever they wanted and that was really that's cool. what disney really messed up because they're so overprotective of their brands that they didn't let any of the fan community or or like any of that extended universe stuff get thrown into what they're doing they just didn't want any involvement with mm -hmm. that shit they messed they up big all that all the that. books yeah it's weird mm -hmm. and like that fan community has grown to not like the movies well, now it's it's a it's a fan base so splintered that it's just <laughs> yeah, because it's like they're trying to market Star Wars to a new audience that doesn't want it. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's so bizarre because I'm sure like young audiences do want it and they are going to see it, but then you have like so, there's like generational... but the movies aren't doing well. well Solo the... didn't, but like Solo didn't do well. The last main ones and Rogue One all did over a billion. Like I hate yeah. jump change. <laughs> no, but the solo one. Yeah, that was 
<laughs> when something. you sell something to Disney, you have to expect that they're going to spam it and run it into the ground until it's like not profitable yeah. anymore. <laughs> like, it it also kind of bugs yeah. me, like the fan expectations too. Like before Force Awakens, everybody's like, "Holy crap, we're getting a new Star Wars movie from Disney!" Everybody knew it was from Disney. Every, everybody was aware of this, and now everybody's surprised that they fucked it up, and that it's like this big, soulless cash machine. Like, what did you think was gonna happen? You knew it was Disney that was making it. Like, it's, it's, it's weaponizing nostalgia because like yeah. people cherish, they cherish the films they love from when they're kids so much, especially when it's something like the original Star Wars movies. Like, people love those movies; they're so important. So of course everyone's gonna like be on board at first, but it gets to a point. It gets to a point where you just can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's just really bad now. It's none of the same people making them. And Star Wars, mm. like as much as I enjoy the originals, like there ain't much going on, you know, like in terms of <laughs> like it's a, a out. plot or anything. Like the original <laughs> trilogy is like perfect. There you go, just leave it. Done. They, tr they tried mm. it again with the prequels. Whatever, didn't really work. Let's just leave it. Because I, I, I was looking at movies that are coming out next year, right, 2020, and every single one of them, reboot, remake, sequel, superhero uh -huh. movie. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's just, it, it took no time at all, and we're already so sick of everything. Like, I'd yeah. scroll through so many movies that are coming out next year to see a single one that I'm even interested in, in terms of all these, like, big budget shit. I think yeah. it's Dune, which is a fucking remake. You gotta just, uh, you gotta watch out for the directors you love, and support them, and, yeah. uh, you know, vote with your wallet. People complain yeah. about this shit, Jungle and then Cruise? they just keep seeing it. So, Jungle you gotta... Cruise. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Jungle Cruise. Bad Boys for Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got? Mulan. Ghostbusters. New yeah, James the new Bond, Mulan. Wonder Woman, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> new Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I saw the trailer for that. What? Why? Why? The King's Man. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I like I like Kingsman, but it's like we're already going to prequels now. We're at the third yep. fucking movie, and we're already abandoning so the entire cast. To like, and like, it's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, it's a shame is we're not actually talking about Fears? Knives Out this episode because there are elements of that movie that is like quite meta, like acknowledgement mm -hmm. of um, uh, the Last Jedi in there. Yeah, I, I heard yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the social media kind of. Um, not that aspect more as, well, I don't really want to say because I guess it's yeah, yeah. I, I going it. into the movie a bit, but mm -hmm. yeah, that was interesting. Um, how about Godzilla vs. King Kong? <laughs> Stop! <laughs> I mean, we've been in this situation for a while, and despite that, 2019 was still an amazing year for movies. You just have to know what you yeah. want to yeah. watch. You have oh, to, yeah. you have to oh, support yeah. the artists that are actually doing creative things. Vote with your wallet. As soon as new ideas become more profitable than remakes then that's what you'll see in terms of like the big budget studio sphere it's it's up to the consumers to do this you know like the the mm -hmm. studios and disney is basically just a byproduct of what people are spending money on so i don't know it's uh you just yeah, gotta be more conscious of what what you're today. what you're watching yeah. or you can see Doolittle. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Peter Rabbit too, whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, so uh, there was a film recommendation for this episode, from last yes. episode, and uh, I think it's uh, be pretty refreshing to talk about this because this is a person who is basically the opposite of this <laughs> big studio 
remake nostalgia yeah. cash grab thing we've been talking about. He is very independent. Vincent Gallo. I don't know if that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce his name or not, but he uh, he doesn't really work within that sort of system all that much. He is responsible for his own, like he he plays a very big role in terms of his own distribution. He like makes the posters and stuff for his movies. He does his own music. You know, very few producers and doesn't really work with like big production companies. It's like kind of a kind of a rebel in a way. And so his first uh, mm. his first feature film is uh, what was recommended last episode by me, and I had not seen it before. It's called Buffalo sixty six. If you don't want to get spoiled for Buffalo sixty six, because this will be a spoiler discussion, go watch it and come back or some shit. What did you guys... Uh, well, I guess I should probably describe what this movie is, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's a, a man <laughs> played by the director, <laughs> Vincent Gallo, and he's a crazy fuck. He just gets out of jail, and he kidnaps Christina Ritchie and gets her to pretend <laughs> that uh, she is his wife so he can kind of impress his parents who are very dysfunctional in terms of a family unit and there's a lot i guess about his uh insecurities and uh upbringing and overall personality that gets more developed as the film goes on uh and it's kind of almost like this stockholm syndrome kind of thing but you can tell that she cares about him and their relationship develops and it's very it's told in a very strange style uh, and it's uh, I, gu- I guess it's it's an independent movie. It was released in two thousand or whatever. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, it feels very independent. So he he acts in it too. Yeah, he's, he's the main the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the main guy, and he was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I like the movie. I like how small scale it is. I think that works for it. I think the cheap, the cheapness of it, <laughs> is what makes it so charming. Mm-hmm. Right. I liked it. Didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um. At first, I was a bit scared, actually. I was like, oh, no, is it going to be one of these type of movies? When he goes into the bathroom and then the guy looks at his dick and he's like, wow, you've got a huge dick, director of the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, uh-oh. That's it. <laughs> but it is, it, there is some cleverness um, and some really good, like, set-up, payoff kind of writing mm-hmm. for um, uh, a lot of the characters in the movie, especially the main, the main two in the family. Um, and, and as you just learn about how sad and messed up the whole dynamic is, it it really is quite harrowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some some things we'll get into that I, I, I thought they kind of uh, they didn't feel earned to me uh, here and there. Okay, uh, which we can discuss in a moment. But but do you want to start with this one? We can talk about the weird like uh, stylistic choices. Yeah, which were some of the more unique and interesting things about the movie to me. Yeah. Stand out being the uh, like the tap dance sequence in the bowling alley, mm-hmm. which kind of <laughs> it highlighted that the like dream dreamy like not all there kind of nature of um, Christina Ricci's character mm-hmm. to me. It made her a lot more interesting because um, before that I didn't really understand what what uh, her vibe was, like what her what she was going for because. Um, the the character is kidnapped by someone she's never met before, and she just like goes along with this like ridiculous <laughs> uh, request, yeah. um, which th- th- I got to admit that did kind of bug me because I was like, well, why would anyone yeah. 
agree to do any of this you know like what i I just don't buy that someone would behave this naturally and just be so into this like bizarre scenario especially with it being like christina ritchie you know like yeah well i just took it she was just that indecisive and yeah that's why i highlight that dream sequence because it kind of made me realize um Maybe she is, that's just sort of her character. She's kind of flippant. She just like exists in her own world a little bit and just goes with the flow type of thing. That's the only way I could really justify it because otherwise it's, that's one of the aspects that didn't feel that earned to me because it, it ultimately is kind of a love story. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. his main motivation for uh, changing his mind because he, he, his, his whole goal is that he wants to get revenge for uh, <laughs> why he was put in in jail, right? With mm-hmm. this, um, this football player who he's convinced missed missed a kick on purpose, and so he 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 loses a bet he put down, and yeah. so on and so forth. Money that he didn't have <laughs> is indebted so to like it's the almost mob. like um weirdly reminded me of Joker in a few ways. Oh, yeah? This like really deranged main character, yeah, yeah. who like he, put down got, by society. Yeah, he doesn't like society. He feels like a total outcast. He hasn't had much luck with women. Like he's got, mm. he's like messed up. His family's horrible, and he he want he, he he's convinced that he's going to take the violent um, route at the end. You you see in that yeah. kind of dreamy sequence where you think he's actually pulling the trigger and killing himself, and there's like the freeze frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. I like. I really that. like. I really like that. Film has a really distinct style. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Mm. Yeah, there's loads of really cool stuff like that. The like uh the square frames that would like pop up. Yeah. <laughs> like like uh when they showed like he was in prison. I like that. I guess bringing it back to that uh tap dance sequence. There's a lot of movies that attempt things like that. And even within this own it, within the same film, you know, w- with his dad lip-syncing along to that record or whatever. That one I wasn't like yeah big into it all like it had the same sort of like okay spotlight lighting change sort of thing um but i didn't really Mm -hmm. get Mm -hmm. much out of that and it just kind of felt like okay this is in the movie but why sort of thing but then the tap dance sequence with christina ritchie i'm like okay this actually adds something like this says so much about the characters and the situation and the way that it ends with like vincent gallo's sort of like his character's indifference to her and like he doesn't even care and he's like focused on his bowling sort of thing it really sort of emphasizes, I guess, like the the character dynamic between them in the film, and I feel like I, I feel like it added a lot to the movie. I loved the tone of what was going along there, and I felt like it was really, um, really fitting, I guess, pacing wise too. And it made sense because like the ball was stuck, like there was that moment where you know she had the opportunity to kind of break away and do that. I really loved it. Yeah, the stylization overall gotta be honest first 20 minutes or so of the movie i was not really enjoying it all i was having like i was having thoughts of like oh god is this gonna be one of those things where i'm like gonna disappoint people again (laughs) by not liking it so much like am i gonna (laughs) you got any examples of ones you really didn't like um well i mean just the uh it didn't really feel too earned in the beginning like it felt really kind of as you, you mentioned really already, like the whole, like, oh, I got a big dick. Like, it's the movie's obviously very self indulgent in ways. Mm-hmm. And just, it felt kind of pretentious in its style, too. Just the dinner table conversation with, like, the, the parents at the beginning felt really kind of, like, off. But I mean, like, obviously, some of that's intentional, but, like, there's, like, weird, 
like lighting changes that I didn't like and it just felt like really kind of dragging along in a sense. And then as soon as Mickey Rourke's character shows up, as soon as we get that scene, it just felt like a completely different shift. And I was like, okay, wow. Like immediately, as soon as that scene started, I'm like, okay, this movie's getting pretty good. And then I enjoyed it thoroughly the the entire rest of the movie. Like I really loved it, the rest right. of it. But yeah. first 20 minutes, I was not on board. We'll have to see if on a second watch, I changed my mind about the first part. But Did you find the film funny? Yeah. Because it's kind of a crime comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, sort of quippy... Uh quite smart stuff in there man again it was the main character because the main character is such an asshole he's so yeah. unlikable mm-hmm. but it's because he's very it. insecure i think so like, yeah, exactly. this girl when this girl actually starts like poking into him like, like okay what's actually going on with you he's like get away from me i, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. <laughs> he like goes to take a bath yeah. he's like don't look don't look at me i'm i like that element of it yeah you actually find out he's very fragile because yeah. like his parents made him so insecure because they're fucking terrible to him mm-hmm. and they're assholes too I think that's part of why I didn't like the beginning as much also is because you start to understand his like vulnerabilities as the film goes on. Whereas like from the get go, all I was thinking is like, this is one of the most unlikable characters I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) I was just like, and the fact that he's the director too. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, he's like an edgelord promoting his own behavior. But then you you find out he's actually kind of mocking that kind of character. Yeah. He's like breaking it down. Like it's kind of sympathetic. Yeah. In a way you're, you're kind of forced to, try and understand just how much of the director playing this character he thinks is like oh this is a cool character or like what am i supposed to feel about this sort of thing when a director puts him in in that kind of role it you know it's inevitable to kind of (laughs) i guess try to psychoanalyze in a way but exactly trying to find the similarities Mm -hmm. he's got a apparently i don't know everybody seems to think he's like an asshole in real life um <laughs> he's like quite the controversial character? for some yeah. reason but i, I was I was, try- I was searching his name and like his wiki is nothing there's no articles really about it he's just i guess known as being a bit of a well <laughs> sassy one i don't know he he basically trashed a shit ton of the people that worked on the movie after <laughs> after they wrapped shooting like <laughs> apparently really? Like him and Christina Christina Ricci did not get along well at all, and then after the movie was out, he's he like called her fat and like broke off <laughs> relationships <laughs> with her, and like uh, who played the mom again? I forget her name. Um, uh, she was in I Heart Huckabees, I think. What's her name? Anyway, yeah, like they had a big feud, and he like blamed her for the film not getting to Cannes for some reason, and like. You know, just he seems like a pretty toxic person to work with in general is the impression that I get. And then there's his like weird ass website where he's he's like selling his semen online and like fifty thousand dollars. It says like wish dream or fantasy with Vincent Gallo ladies only. (laughs) He's selling like a date or whatever. Yeah. A million dollars for his sperm. Yeah. It makes me wonder if I if I'm giving him too much credit. Well, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing when that I was see like, shit like that on his IMDb uh, description for his, you know, his his page, obviously written by a fan of his. Half of it is just them saying like how misunderstood he is, and they're basically saying that like this website of him doing this whole like oh look at my sperm, ladies only, fifty thousand dollars for a date or whatever. <laughs> uh, apparently, that's like a commentary on like 
celebrity and all that. Oh, who knows? Like but piece. like, yeah, like yeah. none of us know the guy. But yeah. I don't know when there's when there's so much out of like just how I guess toxic he is when he's working with people. It gives me I don't know a little bit less credit of him in my mind. If he's yeah, gonna be an he's asshole, he's not like a everyone. comedian or yeah. Where do you draw the line? Yeah, I don't know. Parody <laughs> artists, like I don't know. Yeah. Because when you have something like that up on your website, $50,000 for that or like a million dollars for the sperm, like, yeah, you could say it's satire, <laughs> but do you really think you'd turn it down if somebody had a serious offer? Like, if you're actually doing it, mm -hmm. then at what point does it stop becoming satire? Yeah, but as far as the movie itself, there was nothing in it to me that felt like a delusional, like, director who wasn't yeah. self-aware about what he was making. Yeah. It was a very yeah. competent like, movie knew... that had a voice, for sure. Yeah had a voice and like he knew the character was a bad character and he was making fun of it and analyzing why people are like that you know yeah yeah when you have parents take, that yeah. that are beating you down that much you have to build yourself up to that extent to where you become like this egotistical like just asshole mm -hmm. like him yeah i wonder exactly how much of it was based on his own life in that sense because apparently the house it was filmed in with the parent characters is the same house that he grew up in yeah yeah mm. i think regardless it has that feel with that low budget feel gives it that and i like i like it it feels yeah. very genuine yeah i agree at the beginning of the movie it's like this piss conflict which I found pretty hilarious, where it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, I gotta find a place to pee. The movie's was like, full of good little hooks. <laughs> you go to the Denny's down the street. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, like, what if this yeah, is the whole funny. movie, and this is, like, the entire conflict, the rest of the film? It's like After Hours, except he's trying to find a bathroom. <laughs> There's no, no bathroom anywhere. That's one thing I did like, I thought. <laughs> yeah, his motivations were very clear throughout the entire movie, and there was always, yeah. like, a, a build-up to some kind of event, whether it be him needing to pee or going to his parents where he hasn't been for five years or getting revenge on this person who he hates. There's a, it, it does keep you interested despite, yeah. you know, some slower scenes like, cause I do agree. I think the, the family dinner scene is probably the slower kind of lower point of the movie. Mm -hmm. Cause there were, there were a couple of uh, things I did notice with um, the performances, I think uh, uh, around that dinner table. Mm -hmm. Um, that weren't convincing me all the time because it is it's, it's a hard thing to act as an incredibly awkward scenario to try and sell in a convincing way especially for like a, such a small uh like project with the you know everything that's going on yeah and and when it's that early into the movie it's not as apparent just how necessary it is to show that scene um yeah who knows on a second watch i might feel very differently about it like on a first watch it feels like it kind of dragged on for too long because there's no context to anything that's happening once we get to that scene and there's still this like lingering thought of like okay why the hell is christina ritchie going along with this and like what is the point sort of thing it, it gets clearer as it goes along i guess yeah i, I mm -hmm. like the way it developed his character fairly quickly through like how just irreverent his mother is to him and is way more obsessed over football as the like title was referring yep. to the one football game yeah. uh, his mum missed and it was to give birth to him and she's never mm. forgiven him because the the buffaloes won that game yeah I guess. the buffalo bills <laughs> yeah the one time they won the super bowl or something yeah it's it's a it's a bit like silly and exaggerated but it, it does 
there are people that are like that. Like maybe not to like quite the extreme, but there no, are, sure there, there, there are. are dynamics like that in families you know they get mm-hmm. it, it does happen and there is something quite relatable about that mm-hmm. character after a while and once you figure out what makes him tick because you really do especially like when you he's obsessed with bowling because like that that's the one thing he was always good at so to him that's really important he has his special locker he's got a special relationship with the guy who works at the bowling alley mm-hmm. and when he opens his locker he's got like the the picture of the girl he had a crush on like there's a there's a lot of cool stuff like that in the movie that really reveals a lot about him as a person and yeah. that 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 was a an example of that kind of setup payoff um storytelling that he, he does a lot in the movie where you see the girl in the locker and she's a fairly important character to his journey mm-hmm. later on in the movie when they're in the diner and she's like really horrible to him and she's just not a nice person and it, yeah, it, you really do kind of understand the what makes the character tick, and I think that's the real strength of the movie and what he has to overcome. Yeah, yeah. and just how like someone's obsession can wind up making them go along a really negative path and ruining their life. Yeah. You know, if they don't just let yeah. things go and move on, and you know, see what they have. Like this entire time, this Christina Ricci's character is like, "I love you," like you know. <laughs> She thinks he's the most attractive person ever. Who knows how serious she's being. But, you know, she obviously cares about him and doesn't want to see him in this terrible place. And for most of the film, vast majority of the film, he's like, he's so focused with blinders on like this revenge sort of aspect of like, okay, here's everything I hate about my life. And this is the goal of like, you know, needing to fix this in this way or needing to get some sort of like, closure to this even if it means ending my own life and destroying this opportunity that i have to rebuild and and move forward again which is Mm -hmm. something that is i i think a pretty important thing to communicate in a film because a lot of people do wind up hurting themselves (laughs) over uh past traumas and you know past experiences that you know they, they they feel like they've gotten a a really bad experience in life and uh sometimes you just need to move on and work with what you have and let all that shit go and, uh, yeah i guess that's why because i already mentioned the 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 first jump in uh like earned logic with the christina ritchie just be going along with it but his his main motivation for changing is is her as a person because she like falls in love with him mm-hmm. um in like the the day they meet basically so for the for the ending to work and be earned um you have to buy that that person means enough to him and has changed him in, in such a way where he's he changes his entire life and turns around as a result he doesn't do the thing he was like determined to do based on his however old however many years he's been on the earth yeah so it's like oh yeah there is there is a certain sense to him just killing the the football guy and killing himself but then it's revealed to be like a dream sequence and he's changed his mind then he yeah. goes back to the hotel and has a lovely life or whatever yeah but, who knows yeah, there's just something something about it to me that it, it it doesn't feel quite right it it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel like in depth enough to me it doesn't, it doesn't i don't know you don't feel I, I don't as buy. though like christina ritchie's character meant enough to him at the point in time for him to make that decision or because yeah, I'm yeah, I th- yeah, because um, 
he is like so determined and he's lived this horrible life this whole time and i guess the idea is supposed to be it's someone showing him warmth for the first time so like and he's never really experienced that before because it because yeah because it's explained like the one girl he's ever cared about and he's never been with any like woman before or anything like that because of that locker girl and all that that stuff yeah. but how do you guys justify it i think what really sells it to me is the whole hotel scene earlier where she is kind of like getting close to him and 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 breaking down his barriers like the he's got these mental and physical blocks that he's placed around himself he's built this entire shell around himself as a character and slowly she's able to get through to him even if he's verbally protesting and in a way you could say it's like kind of rapey or whatever like <laughs> like she's a harvey weinstein <laughs> trying to get into the bath with him you can interpret it in that way if you really want but like she is trying to help in a way and she she i think she understands that like his refusal for any sort of like connection or intimacy is more or less a self-defense mechanism out of his past traumas and she, she mm -hmm. recognizes and understands that and so yeah. it, it's it's kind of necessary like that whole hotel scene where where his barriers are being broken down bit by bit and, you know, we get the cut where she's, like, in the bath later. It's like, okay, obviously she was successful and convinced him, even though he protested. And the fact that, like, you know, she doesn't have any sort of, like, physical power over him or anything. He, no. he, if And this guy, obviously, he's a violent asshole in many parts of the film. So, like, there's no reasonable way that he wouldn't be able to prevent this from happening if he really didn't want any of it to happen. So when you see her that she did, you know, get into the bathtub with him, that they did ha kind of have these intimate moments, you understand that, like, as much as he did protest initially out of self uh, this self-defense mechanism, it is something that, you know, deep down inside of him, he does really want. He's just scared, and he's built his entire life up around this idea that he shouldn't have that, and that you know, everything sucks and that, you know, he deserves to be miserable or whatever and he needs to get revenge and none of this matters. Like, I don't want to have this relationship with this person because it's all going to go away because I'm going to kill myself sort of thing. And so that to mm -hmm. me justifies yeah. it is that entire hotel scene like I, that, yeah. that makes the ending believable for me. The, it's just the fact that it all, it's like all happens in one day. I think there's something about how brief it all is. It comes together very mm -hmm. quickly, and it's a, a very like movie thing to happen. You know, yeah, it's he, he meets yeah. the girl of his dreams on, it, on a crazy night. Type I think thing. it's enough to make him not want to shoot up that club or that place. Mm. <laughs> like I think he has enough hope from her at that point. He has a moment of reevaluation, and it's only at the yeah. point where he actually gets there and he has the gun and he's about to kill the guy that he has that sort of like epiphany where he's like, okay, shit, this is literally what I'm for destined for is literally just like, I'm dead and that's yeah. it. Or I can go back yeah. to this girl that loves me. And sometimes it takes, yeah. you know, something that extreme for him to be in that situation for him to finally understand and be like, you know what? I thought I wanted this, but I'd rather have this other thing. And then it's like a complete. Then the last scene when he gets the hot chocolate, he's like a different character. Yeah, he's like very mm -hmm. happy and excited to he be around clear, people. Like, arc, yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, well, you guys get a free cookie because yeah. you're in love. The heart <laughs> cookie. Like, give, give it to your girlfriend. I yeah. love that scene. It's, like it's like a different character. Yeah. And then the movie ends on that. Like yeah, mm. I th I think it was just that like niggling thing in the back of my mind of the, uh, just the the christina ritchie character like just being so down with everything 
that really did <laughs> it was weird me. it's a weird thing yeah, it was, it was weird. like it, t- it took me a while it's kind of underwritten yeah i don't know i, I don't really yeah. know how i could suggest to improve it really but that was know. just that was the one glaring thing to me whereas i i, I liked most of the, the stylistic choices myself it never really pulled me out too much i was kind of with it and I, was, I enjoyed the journey of the character but that was like the one thing to me that was like <laughs> that's just such a movie thing to happen especially with how like <laughs> It is like a really, really positive end compared to the, <laughs> the sadness, the almost like, uh, like happiness. The film we talked about and sort of guys before, like levels of like misery in like that yeah. family life type stuff. But, yeah. yeah, maybe I'd like it more on a rewatch. I don't know that, but that was my main, main thing in the back of my mind for a lot yeah. of film. I definitely got the movie. You know, after the first 20 minutes, as soon as Ricky Mork, Mickey Rourke showed up and the rest (laughs) of the movie happened, I was like completely on board. And I felt like I, you know, not only like understood what it was going for, but like connected with it on a personal level. Also, as the film went on, there were the the frequency of like oneers, like uh, long takes went Mm. up as it went along, like the, the diner scene with the. His old, I guess, infatuation, love interest, whatever. There's the uh, photo booth scene, which I thought was amazing. It's like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. A lot of the scenes in the hotel are also like very long takes. And it gets, it it feels like the movie really finds itself as it goes along. Yeah. Yeah, that photo scene was awesome. Yeah, that was probably the real moment. It, It won me over was that scene. So it's like there's a really convincing dynamic going on and the just the presentation of it was really interesting and what they were saying and how just anal and weird he is with his like mannerisms and how they had to keep like retrying to get the pictures he was after it was a, it was a cute scene yeah. yeah meanwhile he doesn't even look like he's having fun in it <laughs> like he looks like yeah, he's about to cry the entire time <laughs> it's, meanwhile yeah, he's it's so focused on like what she's doing like you know you can't touch me we're a couple that loves each other but they don't touch like you can tell, especially with the hotel scene after that, like that's just an, an emotional barrier that he's placed around himself. I, I, there's, I think there's a lot of depth to this movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm even thinking about just the his costume design, where he's wearing like the black, like yeah. clothing up until his bright red shoes, which really, really stands out because it's quite a drab-looking movie. It's it's muted, um, like yeah. soft. But the like his bright red shoes are always always draw your eyes, and it might be something to do with his bowling like addiction. Mm. Like, you know, you, you wear those bright red shoes when you go bowling. You might be mm-hmm. that obsessed. You got more to add, Ralph? <laughs> no, not for this one. <laughs> All right, that's about it. Yeah, um, I like. Yeah, it. I guess we didn't really talk um, too thoroughly about the. We kind of just barely mentioned it. The uh, the the presentation of the <laughs> the shooting scene at the end. Was pretty crazy. Yeah, the freeze frame. Pretty thing. inventive. I it think. was yeah. really inventive. Really well done. I've seen a lot of films attempt that same thing, even like higher budget films. Not not the exact same thing, but like okay, characters are frozen. They're basically just you know not moving, and the implication is that it's frozen in time. And depending on how you pull it off, will influence how well the effect works. And for like yeah. a really like an indie movie where it's it seems pretty experimental no CGI, at the same like time. it was all like, practical yeah it looked great like that was really really cool and like yeah. i didn't notice 
any points where you know like the actor's eyelids didn't like twitch or anything it, like it was really convincing no. like you the knew how the effect moving, was done so like it was really hard to notice like minor yeah. movement from the actors yeah like, it's great the way they executed it there's like the the blood but it, i guess it was like some kind of mold that they just i think it was like a yeah, plastic head, something like that thing. yeah mm-hmm. like a plastic transparent red thing yeah but it looks great like the way he really thought it out it looks fucking great just the the emotion of that scene too like the way the he, when he shoots himself time. like the way his mm-hmm. face is and like just like bleh, like looks like he's having a stroke or whatever and the fact that he's able to hold that position in his face successfully for the shot to work also it's just crazy very very Mm -hmm. creative and yeah he's the reason the film works yeah he carries the whole thing i think yeah Yeah. best performance best character like it's all around him yeah anything else you guys want to add about this movie i uh do you know anything about the uh I, i don't really know much about like um was it negative stock or something that the film was shot no, on? No, yeah, There's I read about like that a... too. I'm not super yeah, familiar not really. with it. Apparently, he decided I'm to not... film on that, and it was like much more expensive, and he didn't even know if he could do it in the proper like format. Yeah, and the cinematographer like fell out with him and got fired or something. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's lots of drama behind it. He's clearly like one of those auteur, like yeah, I do what I yeah, want but... type like creators. Yeah, yeah, very anal about the movies he makes. It's like the character. Yeah. yeah. But I guess if you're going to make something that, you know, is so obviously personal and and inspired, it, there has to be some sort of sense of, of like, needing things to be a certain way, uh, which yeah. obviously doesn't you excuse do him right trashing all the actors that he worked with after, but <laughs> still. <laughs> they didn't do a good enough job. She's fat. <laughs> His other film, The Brown Bunny... It's not the only other film he's made, but it's the only other one that anybody talks about, I guess. Yeah, it's a big one. It's very yeah. controversial. Yeah, it's the one that's got like real uh, acts yeah. of sex in it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, unsimulated blowjob from Chloe Sevigny yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, hashtag yeah, horror herself, yeah. <laughs> hashtag horror. That's funny. <laughs> Your favorite uh, film, right? <laughs> yeah, that movie's a fucking blowjob. <laughs> doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Apparently he got into a spat with Roger Ebert about the movie. Oh, Vincent Gallo did? Yeah, because it got screened at Cannes, oh, and then Roger Ebert, Ebert said him. that it was uh, the worst film in the history of Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> and then, I guess, goes, so this spat was literally you, just them Roger talking Ebert. to uh, media and the media relaying what they were saying. And so then Vincent Gallo <laughs> responded saying that he's like fat <laughs> or something. <laughs> and then Roger Ebert was like, he just calls everyone he doesn't like fat. Apparently, yeah, yeah it seems to be like a common thing with him. Yeah, you're then, you're just fat. You don't understand my. So movie. he just is the character from the movie. Basically. I guess so. <laughs> Roger Ebert's response to that was, uh, "I may be fat, but one day I'll be skinny. But you will forever be the director of the Brown Bunny." <laughs> and then apparently it got recut. Twenty minutes of the movie got cut out after the can version. And then at Toronto Film Festival, oh. Roger Ebert saw it again, like this hour and a half instead of two hours long version, and he gave it a thumbs up, and they made up. <laughs> so, oh, really? oh okay, yeah. cool. Still haven't yeah, seen happy it. Happy ending, but... like just like Buffalo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very happy ending. <laughs> very interesting guy. I'd I'd love to see some interviews with this person. I'd love to mm. delve more into 
his character and I'm a bit scared films. of though of him though. If I'm oh yeah, honest, so he's, <laughs> he's a scary guy. <laughs> In the movie, he's scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's why she went with him too, because he's just such an intimidating like well, that, guy. Yeah, that's why she was like, so being like, that fragile. She's <laughs> so fragile and like she's just there for a dance lesson, and this fucking guy's just like, "You're coming with me." Fucking come with me. <laughs> like she's terrified. Mm-hmm. I I got it. Yeah, I loved it. Despite not really liking the first twenty minutes at all, honestly, it won me over mm. pretty well. It won me over way more than I was expecting. And uh, by the end of it, uh, you know, first initial watch, my rating is a uh, eight out of ten. I'm just just a smidge underneath. Um, I'd give it a three and a half stars. Um, I did really enjoy it. I'd, I'd definitely recommend watching it, especially considering its standing of being like a just like a a small budget little production filmed in like his own house or his childhood yeah. home and all that kind of stuff. It's it is really interesting, especially with how creative he is at certain points. Um, mm. But there are little things here and there that we talked about. So yeah. Three I'm between stuff. I'm between like a three and a four. It's very like graduate esque or held and Maud esque. But what like what brought me into it was the way it was executed, like the low budget way, very genuine and like personal. Um, mm. so I don't know. I'll give it a three because I think he's an asshole <laughs> in real life. Three out of five. I mean. I might see it again. Yeah, there's plenty of directors who are asked. I'll, I'll, I might see it again and give it higher, but three out of five for now. Okay. Dang. Yeah, like Rosemary's Baby is a great movie, but. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Fuck. There's a couple yeah. little things wrong yeah, with Polanski on his, his personal <laughs> yeah. life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. A couple minor controversies. Minor. <laughs> Get it? Minor. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question time, uh, I guess? Let's do it. Let's go into questions then. If you want to leave your own questions for us to answer on the next episode, head over to the Sardonicast Reddit, uh, where there'll be a thread, and you can ask us whatever you feel like. Let's start off with this one from Citizen Hal, um, who asks simply, what movies are you looking forward to in 2020? Let's spin it back round <laughs> after that subject from earlier, just going on about all the shit that's coming out, and talk about some stuff we're actually excited for. Um, I'll pull up the list again. Uh, I think Charlie Kaufman's new thing, I'm thinking mm. of ending things, is probably going to be 2020. Mm. Uh, I can double check well, that. Well, you said Dune. It's like a Dune? Netflix I'm Yeah, I'm excited Dune. to see what that movie's like. Yeah. Um, Charlie Let's Kaufman's other movie, thing, yeah. where he wrote a tiny bit of it, and then it got rewritten by a bunch of other writers, and it looks like shit, Chaos Walking, I'm actually excited for, because it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> It's got Daisy Ridley mm. and Tom Tom Holland, and apparently it was so bad that they actually delayed the release. Like the studio was like, "We don't know what the fuck we're gonna do with this." So, yeah, probably go on Netflix. That, that was like a writer for hire thing by Charlie Kaufman, and I, I think I've read this before, but I'm just gonna read it again. Just the little description on IMDb: a dystopian world where there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds <laughs> called noise. That sounds hilarious. It sounds like a real yeah, After Earth awesome. situation. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to most Venom 2. No. <laughs> so, Andy Circus. Yeah, yeah, is going to direct the film. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Is that actually doing. Is that actually Venom 2 directed then? by Andy Circus. I think so. It says what here. If it's, it's just serviceable, then. It might be all right. Like who later who next year. Who directed the first one? Who directed Venom 1? Um, I don't know. <laughs> 
Tom Hardy? <laughs> oh. I can't never know. That's what I mean. I, That's what I, mean. I just can't wait for Venom 2, because it's Venom 2. Okay, that'd be a good episode. Uh, <laughs> is a new Edgar Wright movie coming out? Probably. Yeah, Last Night in Soho is coming out next year. Okay, that'll be good. It's a drama, horror, thriller. Yeah. We got a new uh, Andrew Dominic film coming out called Blonde, which is going to be a fictionalized oh, okay. chronicle of Marin, Marilyn Monroe. You know Andrew Dominic? Uh, what did he direct? He did uh, Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, and he also did... Okay. What's that Brad Pitt one called? Killing Them Softly. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I love that movie. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'll see that. There's a new Antonio Campos movie coming out. Tom and Jerry the movie. <laughs> live, it'll be live action. <laughs> I'm just Steve looking at see, I'm just refining my Minions. IMDb watch list by the year. So anything I'm excited for is literally just what you, director based. What do you think of the new James Bond, Ralph? Uh, that looks kind of eh. Looks yeah. like they're trying to start a franchise with some other woman. <laughs> to be James Bond. Well, it looks like they worked that into the movie too. Like it's doing too much. They also have Christoph Waltz's back, I think. Oh, from what was it called? Spectre, from Spectre which was bad. <laughs> yeah. When was it? Daniel the last Craig really James doesn't Bond seem movie. into it. Um, Skyfall. Yeah. Which is now? It's. I feel like it's almost ten years old. Is it? It's a long. A I feel long like time maybe twenty twelve or yeah. So not ten years ago, but I feel like it's been a, a while. Yeah, it's hard to get excited. Yeah. That. We got a it's, new uh, David Bruckner out. coming out. Horror mm. director. How about uh, the new Bill underrated. and Ted movie? Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. What's the track record like of these like nineties, eighties movies being remade? In the modern day, mm. modern age, not we good. Is that good? Baywatch, Twenty Two Jump Street. It's a sequel. It's not a remake. It doesn't <laughs> matter though. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Like Zoolander Two, Dumb and Dumber. They're all two, soft reboots, so it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> what about this Ghostbusters movie? Any hope there? <sighs> that looks so bad. Looks like yeah, it looks so bad. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like That's like blanding. too much energy to even assign to it. Like it's just. Like yeah. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I now. just hate fucking watching bland garbage like that. Like <laughs> I think the marketing like, seems um, weird. It, it's like okay, so yeah. people don't want a stupid comedy like the Ghostbusters 2016. So let's just make like something that's nothing. Like it just feels like nothing. <laughs> like a bland 80s kind of Stranger Things themed. Someone inspired. Yeah, I, I, I skipped I through the trailer. Doing. I probably watched a total of like five seconds of it. I was like, mm. it's so forgettable. I'm not like a Ghostbusters person in the first place. So. It's like that Bumblebee movie. They like rebooted the franchise by making it oh, yeah, like bland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God, it was boring. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get a Black Widow. It's better movie. than the Michael Bay one. Oh yeah, Black Widow. Even though she. <laughs> Yeah. Spoilers, she's dead in universe. <laughs> Such a strange decision to do that. <laughs> now she gets a movie. She's been around fucking like 15 years. Yeah, they're God, playing catch whatever. up to Wonder Woman. So, like, oh shit. We haven't, done, we haven't done a woman led superhero movie. They did yet. Captain Marvel, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's movie really as well. forgettable, isn't it? Yeah. You gotta forget that it exists. <laughs> Captain Marvel. That was their catch up. Yeah. Then. Yeah, that was another one. I tried watching that on Disney Plus. I got ten <laughs> minutes in. I realized like I didn't care about what was going on. I shut it off. God. Sounds about right. So God. boring. So that's I guess that's the plus side of Disney Plus is that 
There's so much yeah. bullshit that you can just, you don't have to be trapped in a theater <laughs> for it. You can just mm-hmm. turn it off and be like, okay, I know what this is. Minions Rise of Gru. <laughs> for that. Oh, God. Rise of Gru. <laughs> It's fucking it's awful. It's like a fucking Nolan movie. I don't even know what <laughs> Minions Despicable Me movie we're on now. How many are there? Uh, Three. It's a trilogy. The and then there's a Minions movie. Is there a yeah. second Minions movie? The, the, this is the second Minions movie. This is the second one. It's called one. Minions okay. The Rise of Gru. Not Minions 2. <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> no. Numbers aren't franchise. trendy anymore. They don't want you to know how many there are, so they can just yeah. keep it going forever. Yeah. We'll get Minions yeah. Revolutions... <laughs> revelations <laughs> minions reloaded <laughs> you joke but it will happen we'll get it Anything they'll remake money. the matrix with minions that's what we'll get mm-hmm. mm, crossover <laughs> yeah I don't know Ugh. just you know look at directors you one like day and see we'll if get a movie uh, with a movie. everything in it one day <laughs> we'll get a movie with we got, every we got brand yeah, because like Disney one. will buy everything. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. That's kind of it. It's the closest but we need we've like come. we need like a Lego Star Wars Batman <laughs> <laughs> like fucking we crazy movie. As well, Ghostbusters right? movie. The Lego movie. <laughs> kinda, that yeah. Them in. <laughs> <laughs> so even your like ridiculous concepts, like they're already like movies. Yeah, it's been done <laughs> ten times already. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's already played out. People don't want to see Lego movies anymore. <laughs> They're making a... Is that a Playmobile movie? Or what Playmobil. the fuck is it? It's like that's the already off-brand that's Lego already, movie. Yeah, that's, that's, that's already, already coming. Yeah? yeah? Exactly. They came yeah. out? I've, Holy I've shit. I got on my computer somewhere. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't know. Man. Who gives a fuck about Playmobile? Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. I love that they had to make a movie too. I mean, no why not? The Lego one was successful, so... Yeah. <laughs> Creatively bankrupt. Just copy everything Lego does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Like random property do we have? Oh, the Playmobil. Let's do it. <laughs> Next question. Let's do this one from John Slimy, who asks, "What's your favorite Criterion Collection cover or covers?" Mm. Um, one that sticks out right away, top of my first thing I think of is Houseu. Uh, Mm. Love it. Yeah, it's a cool one. That's what got me to see the movie. I saw the cover of that movie, and I was like, okay, I have to see it. So mm-hmm. They come with little books, too. Mm-hmm. Like I think the, back, the best one I own is the Do the Right Thing one. That and the Breathless one. I think those are the most well-made, beautiful ones. I, I always found this, the Salo one really striking. But yeah, the, that, I like that one, too. That's when I, I must have, when I just like discovered it on... IMDb like years ago. Like, that's what made me add it to my watch list was just like that that mm-hmm. poster that they have on the cover. Yeah, when you can take a frame from the film and it says everything about what it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, well, that's a good yeah. poster. <laughs> Especially because that frame is out of focus in the film. And mm. like for the poster, it works amazing. Because mm. you're like, it's very eerie. Like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um. So that worked really well. Yeah, Eyes Without a Face has a distinct one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I looked at my... The Night of uh, Living Dead. Criterion I love that one. Blu-rays and... There's a lot of good covers, but I'm, I'm more, I'd more or less just be listing just which are my favorite movies <laughs> after a certain yeah. point. Yeah. Like the Funny Games yeah. one is really good. You know, the Hunger one's really good. I was kind of... there. There's some disappointing ones, like the Piano Teacher. I was kind of hoping that they'd do like a special cover for it, but they kind of just use the existing poster. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Not All really right. much to say. <laughs> 
about it. Yeah, yeah. that one. Let's just do another question then, eh? THMO Protection Agency has one for us. Has there ever been a movie that has made you feel dumb but isn't something pretentious? How do you deal with watching those kind of movies where you don't feel so dumb about the movie? Wait, where you... Sorry, they've written it a, a, a little bit strange. <laughs> they've written it like a dumb How do you deal with watching those kinds of movies where you don't feel so dumb about the movie, it's themes, <laughs> etc., and get a better grasp of the movie? <laughs> wow. <laughs> the question the question being, has there ever been a movie that makes you feel a bit dumb? Like you, you, you like it, you get what it's going for, but... You feel yeah. like you're not if it's about it like subject it. matter, I don't. I'm not an expert in like Moneyball or something. It's about baseball and drafting. I have no fucking idea about any of that. Mm. <laughs> you mm. know, so it's confusing. But I still enjoy the movie. If it's a good movie, you look past that stuff. Yeah, I I, I remember for me one. It's a film I actually really really like. That being Eyes Wide Shut. The first time I watched it, mm-hmm. um, I I enjoyed the ride, but uh, there was definitely like a in the back of my mind like there's, I'm missing something. <laughs> there's something like. I need to read about this movie. Like after it was one of those for me, where I had to yeah. like explore about it. Yeah. There are movies like that where you just don't pick up everything after a first watch. Like you, there are some movies you just have to see a couple of times to even like get. Yeah, that's what I would say. Is like if you feel like you haven't gotten everything, then watch it again. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like do some reading, see if uh, yeah. other people have made their interpretations of the film, and you know, uh, Shane Carruth movies are. You know, they don't hold your hand at all. So Primer and Upstream Color, both very different in terms of like the types of complexities there are in its presentation. But both of them are very like, you know, it it, it is expecting a lot from you as a viewer to be able to like get the full picture of everything that's happening. But I love very difficult to follow. I would rather Mm -hmm. have a movie that doesn't hold your hand and is still like an enjoyable watch with great qualities to it in it in its presentation i would rather have something like that than than a film that over explains i would rather feel dumb because the movie's too smart than feel like the movie thinks i'm dumb that it needs to hold my hand for for certain things yeah. mm-hmm. i hate being pandered to exactly when I'm watching a movie i shouldn't feel like to, i'm a yeah. stupid person yeah yeah that's how I feel when watching those Disney movies or... Yeah. I mean, I guess they're for kids, but <laughs> even they're adult, like, they're Star Wars movies. Yeah. Movies made for my demo. Like, how many times do you see, like, an unnecessary flashback? It's like, it was so clearly defined and developed. Like, it's yeah. obvious like what Joker. this is This is supposed to be. Yeah, Joker's one of them. It's like, yeah, it's so obvious example. what's happening here, but you're treating me yeah, like a And that's a, a rated R idiot. movie. That's for adults. And it's like, what kind of fucking adult wouldn't pick up on the fact that yeah. it, that's but not real? Spoiler. I, I, it's it's pretty vague. Okay, I I <laughs> that, that's sure. not real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone's seen Joker by now. <laughs> what's in the box? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, rather, I would much rather have a complex movie that I can understand more and more with each viewing than one that just treats me like I'm an idiot or that, you know, makes itself worse to pander towards stupid people. <laughs> Another question? This is a good one. This is this is their Reddit name. So Alex can't complain. I think I only screenshot this one just for that name. <laughs> so Alex can't complain. What are some of your favorite director's idiosyncrasies? For example, Gaspar Noé's crazy camera work or... Where's Anderson's production design? On the other hand, what are some that annoy you? Greengrass's shaky cam and Snyder's slow-mo shots, for example. Kubrick zooms. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. the Kubrick more. stare. Kubrick stare. Yeah. <laughs> That's like an actor thing. Sometimes yeah. there's both a Kubrick zoom and a Kubrick stare. There's a lot of that in a uh, clockwork. <laughs> Usually, any director I love, it's because there is a lot of personality in the way that they present their films. My favorite director, mm -hmm. Michelle Hanukkah, it's very meticulous. It's very like purposeful. It's very clean. There's not a lot of like movement in the camera. It's it's a lot of it is stationary and it feels like, okay, this is the shot I wanted. It's not like incidental that this is the framing of the shot. The the characters and the actors in the shot, you know, you get like a gigantic room of like fifty people and you can tell that every single one of those extras was taken aside and given specific things to do to be behaving in a realistic way. Like I love I love that about his movies and you know, every director has like a really interesting style or every good director, I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mine on a similar level, I, I I can't get enough of the way uh, David Fincher um, shows off his like talent in his mm -hmm. movies. Like, uh, they're so yeah. detached and really because he's really obsessed with this like methodical. He likes the darkness in humanity. He likes murder mysteries. He likes, you know, really hardcore stuff like that. And that 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 way um, that, that choice to present the camera in that like completely detached, like ethereal, like yeah. the camera just floats around, like, like it's just not even. Yeah, I, I think it only really moves unique. when the characters are moving. Really, yeah, yeah. I, I can't get enough of that. Like in yeah. mind hunting, the way he uses close-ups too. I'd say that's like very unique to him. Mm -hmm. His style very is also rarely. very clean. Unique, yeah, yeah. Very clean, very precise, meticulous. Yeah, yeah I, I love it. He's great. And then you know. On the other end, there's like Safety Brothers. The Tarantino, which is like the Tarantino trunk shot is one I don't like. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Not really. Well, what those are. I guess shots? those are like ones that get old. The feet shots get kind of old. <laughs> the ones oh, yeah. that are more yeah, specific, like that, with like the trunk. Like, okay, how much can you do with a trunk in a car? <laughs> or, or like, a, it's like whatever. I agree with the foot stuff. I guess on my nerves the foot stuff is weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's porn for him. It's a sexual. Like, I don't know. Can, is it really? It's, it's porn for him. Like who the fuck gets off to fucking? What do you mean? That's the, a thing. He's getting, he's getting these like. I don't do it. I'm surprised that that's a thing. Yeah, I guess. I guess I'm not surprised. It's just like if you can so name it, somebody's realm. got a fetish for it. If it exists, somebody's attracted to it. Scenes in where women have no shoes on. <laughs> yeah, like, it's you so know weird. You do that. You know it. Yeah, he's a fucking perv. It's so weird. <laughs> There's tons yeah, of directors who are like pervs, I guess, but like his thing is feet. Yeah. That's his thing. Very it's clearly. It's just so weird to see someone embrace it like in this day and age. He still does that feet <laughs> shit. He like hammered down on it in Once oh, yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Don't dirty shame. feet. <laughs> yeah, nah, right in the front. <laughs> right in your face. It is really funny. Yeah. But those are like distracting. Tarantino has a lot of distracting ones. Well, at this point, he's like sort of trying to fulfill the the expectations of making a Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, what makes up a Tarantino movie? It's like all these little quips. So they have to be yeah. in the He doesn't the know which one. ones are good and which ones are bad. <laughs> I noticed a really specific one mm -hmm. recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in uh, considering Guy Ritchie, because I watched Snatch and really enjoyed it. And then I watched that new fucking Aladdin movie that he made. <laughs> and he does these like stylistic things that work in Snatch because like 
it's real like they're real people and like a real set and like <laughs> but he tries yeah. to replicate it in aladdin sometimes and it god it looks bad like it really doesn't work great example of like a that transition to that huge like machine type filmmaking just like not working with mm. like that kind of stylistic like idea yeah i'm trying yeah, to think right. of uh directors whose styles i really don't like i mean we were just talking about six underground so michael bay yeah, michael might bay. be up there yeah he definitely has a well, style, michael bay is so just I'm like he just takes shitty action scripts and makes them just nonsense like he's just he <laughs> likes indulging in car chases and explosions like the action parts and then the rest of it is like just it's in service of that so it's really boring mm-hmm. yeah um but what's like his trademark he just shoots everything like a commercial right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he has no style probably, it's yeah. just fucking nonsense it's just everything every every different lens and angle you could possibly have in a scene he just uses it all yeah just watch six uh... underground like, yep. watch the way he shoots, like, a conversation scene. There's, like, eight different angles of a close-up of Ryan Reynolds, like, as he's talking. <laughs> For no reason. Gotta use them all. Yeah, about, gotta like, use um, everything. <laughs> it was, like, a meme for ages, but the way J.J. Abrams would abuse lens flares, like... Yeah, that gets was annoying. a problem yeah. after a while. That was a bad one. <laughs> yeah. That that mm-hmm. did get a bit much, especially in that, like, Star Trek <laughs> movie in Super 8, I'm pretty sure, had some, like, ridiculous ones. That's one good thing Disney did. They said, cut that shit out yeah, with Star it. Wars. Stop it, <laughs> They're like, you're not doing that with Star Wars. You do it a little it's bit. Good. It's because like, he's so similar to like copying Steven Spielberg. He's like, what, what, what's going to make me stand out? Yeah, yeah, lens flares. Let's do that. <laughs> but even Spielberg has like the glowy kind of <laughs> cinematography. So mm. JJ's a hack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Jar Jar Abrams. It's it's debatable. We'll he's see how his... this new movie comes out. Yeah, he's got his, like corner covered. Is he's got his thing that he does, and he makes money doing it. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably more annoying ones that I'm not thinking of, but yeah, he got, we covered some good ones. Yeah. Want to do uh, one last question? Let's do one more. One that ain't even about movies. I like throwing these in now and again. Brie Tarson has this to, to say. What is something that you have seen in real life or online that has made you lose all faith in humanity? Everything. <laughs> Do you not have like a specific like memory of something? Because like I remember when you're like really edgy and you're like 13, 14 and you're first like, yeah, let's go on like some edgy website and watch someone getting like beheaded or whatever. <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like opens you up to like faith. a new world. Yeah. What, what makes me lose faith in humanity is the never ending like tribalism <laughs> that we see. Like there's yeah. this like, I it, it's one thing to have an opinion that's different from someone else's, but when when you refuse to even a- attempt to understand someone else's perspective, like that's what really makes me lose faith in humanity is like, okay, no one's even trying to understand. No one's even trying to like figure out why someone else believes what they believe. And if you want to change someone else's opinion about something, that's the first thing you should be doing is trying to understand why they believe something, right? Mm. And, and, you know, like, it, it, you'd have better arguments against them if if you were faithfully attacking their arguments in a way that made sense to them. You just listened. But no yeah. one's willing to do that. Everybody's really fucking 
tribalistic and virtue signaling and just like, oh, hey, the mob's with me, so I don't have to support my argument sort of thing. And then, you know, it's just everything is so fucking unnecessarily divisive and people are just fucking awful and stupid. So that's just in general. (laughs) There's not like a specific moment for me. It's funny how that carries over even when like it's in a digital realm you know like we're not even physically embodying it's it it's heightened like, it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. More so. yeah there's no yeah there's no there's no filter at all so you really get to see the way people behave when almost on their like subconscious level like how they instinctively want to communicate <laughs> before like when when you're like forced to communicate with someone in person you you, you change things you don't yeah. use the same vocabulary you 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 adapt to that person and like i'm sure if you take any of these people out of these goddamn mobs online or whatever and talk to them one-on-one it would be pretty civil most of the time for the most part yeah, yeah. like yeah. very few people are that hysterical in real life oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 a matter of like what what people think they can get away with in terms of how much power they have over another human being You know, it's like if you have this opportunity where even if you're in the right, like, how do you respond to that? Are you literally going to take this opportunity to be like, okay, well, you messed up. Well, I'm going to make you remember it for the rest of your life sort of thing. Or like, like what, Mm -hmm. who, who benefits from this at all? Like people are just so vitriolic and just fucking awful to each other. Just nobody understands empathy, and it's just like, okay, well, this is the planet, I guess. I'm I'm here for the ride, but it's, it's not fun. <laughs> Fuck. Happy ending um, to this episode. Fuck yeah, me. I would say mine, my loss in faith in humanity, was when I saw the Nostalgia Critic video of The Wall. <laughs> that's the Pink funny. Floyd's The Wall. Yeah, That's a that's great mine. answer. That, yeah. is a, that is a great answer. So mine's pretty recent. <laughs> oh, you, you, so you recently hopeful, lost faith in humanity. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Just that video. When that video came out, <laughs> the date that video came out is the day I lost faith in humanity. Ah, uh, rip. Can we get some Fs in the chat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. All right, what now? Uh, yeah, what now? I guess uh, we got a recommendation for the next episode. Okay, is it my turn? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I got right. a classic. I think we've all seen it, maybe, but I don't know. It's by a uh, auteur, Joe Pitka. It's a movie from 1996 called Space Jam. Really? <laughs> oh, so, hell yeah. Okay. I'm really excited to talk about Space Jam. <laughs> sure. Fuck yeah. For serious. Yeah. I haven't seen this film since I was a kid. I was obsessed with Space Jam when I was <laughs> okay. a kid. Yeah. We'll all see. Right. We'll yeah, see yeah, how yeah. it holds up. <laughs> okay. Space Jam. Fucking okay, great. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is good. A I got the Blu-ray. Oh, you do? Cool. Yeah, I do. I got it. Got it. <laughs> you got you know, Space Jam on Blue, right? Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll save my comments, I guess, for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Whole, Thank uh, you. No, nah, I'm not even going to suggest that. Okay. Okay, if you don't want to be spoiled for Space Jam, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> watch that before the it's next just episode. a great title. I believe I can fly. <laughs> There's a Michael lot to Jordan say about the, the movie, for sure, so... All right, thank you, Ralph. I appreciate it. Um, sure, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a fun discussion. Thank you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we needed a we needed an, another meme one in there. So <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, if you if you don't want to be spoiled, watch it before the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. 
Uh, you can watch these episodes early if you uh, sign up for premium on sardonicast.com. It's $2 a month. You'll get these as they're edited. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Uh, we'll do the same thing. And we got merch. So consider getting merch, maybe. Support the show. Um, get a jersey. A sardonicast jersey. Yeah. For Space Jam. <laughs> um, we should make those. Yeah. Yeah, we should. The monsters. <laughs> yeah, we need like a sports team. It's we need flooding like back to me now. <laughs> it never left. I got, I got this shit. I think I must have repressed it or something, man. Like I remember the old scene and like Bill Murray, I think's in it, right? Yep. Yeah, he's in it. <laughs> There's something going on in there. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, episode fifty. We did yeah. it. Oh, yeah. 50 episodes. Wow. Wait, this was 50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was It's saying. funny as hell. Yeah. We didn't even notice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Alex is what dying. We talked about Yeah, <laughs> sorry, everybody. Oh, How far we've come. Hope you feel better. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Here's nice. to 50 more. Forever. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> Forever and ever. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>